After a marathon hearing lasting 53 hours, a Taipei court has granted detention warrants for three lawmakers involved in the Sogo bribery scandal. The Taipei District Court is allowing incommunicado detention of DPP lawmakers Su Zhenqing and KMT lawmakers Liao Guodong and Chen Chaoming. It also authorized the holding of Su's former aide Guo Keming and former Pacific Distribution Investment Chairman Li Honglong. They all denied wrongdoing. The judges believe the defendants are not giving a truthful account. Li Henglong has robust finances and a wide personal network. Guo Keming is a long-time legislative lobbyist. The other defendants are legislative Yuan members or aides. So the judges believe that releasing them carries the significant risk of defendant collusion. The incommunicado detention of three lawmakers is a first for Taiwan. Among the eight suspects, only one former New Power Party chairman, Su Yongming, was ordered to be released on bail of $800,000. The court says that although the evidence establishes involvement, it did not indicate how much money he was to receive from the arrangement. The evidence also suggested that he had not been involved in the financial arrangement as long as the other lawmakers had. The case of the Belgian expat who tested COVID positive is still a mystery. At a seminar on Tuesday, Professor Chen Shoshi said the man's, man most likely caught the virus from foreign national acquaintances after arriving in Taiwan in May. But the Central Epidemic Command Center cast doubt on his claim. It believes the man contracted COVID overseas as early as March. Patient number 469, a Belgian engineer who tested positive after months in Taiwan, has baffled doctors. Professor Chen says the case almost flew under the radar. If he had waited one more week and tried to leave on August 5th, we wouldn't have detected the case because he has already become a negative case when you estimate from the viral load. If he'd left a week later on August 5th, he'd already be negative and we wouldn't have caught him. He'd have been gone. We would have been none the wiser. On Tuesday, the CECC released the latest test results of the man's contacts. Of the 411 subjects, nucleic acid tests are negative for 366 and antibody tests negative for 382. Professor Chen says there are four plausible scenarios that explain the infection. Scenario 1, he caught the virus overseas. 2, he caught it from an imported case. 3, local transmission. Or 4, repeated infection. As the man frequently socialized with friends who were foreign nationals, he thinks those contacts were the most likely source of infection. We think the second scenario is the most likely. We can't rule out any possibility, of course. These are our recommendations. For asymptomatic cases, is there any chance they've infected a highly vulnerable demographic? For example, in the medical system or in an elderly care home. We can see what's happening in the U.S. Cruise liners involve close contact with others. Migrant workers often have a lot of close contact. Workplaces where there are many foreign nationals or venues where they gather or have close contact or high-risk industries don't get involved unless necessary. Mask wearing and social distancing must be done properly. The college estimates that worldwide cases will hit 20 million next week, with deaths surpassing 730,000. 
It urges the public to be vigilant about asymptomatic carriers and to avoid contact with foreign nationals to reduce the risk of infection. But on Tuesday, the CECC questioned the college's assumptions. It said that if the conclusions were correct, there would be more infections in the Zhenghua area where the Belgian man had been staying. So far, all contacts have tested negative, giving scientists few clues. Face mask producer Taiwan Comfort Champ has announced plans to expand overseas with a new factory in Thailand. It will have control over every step of the mask-making process, starting from the production of raw materials. The company is one of many Taiwanese mask companies looking to expand uh, globally with this type of vertically integrated production model. Coils of white and blue non-woven fabric are unfurled and fed into the machine, which folds the textile into face masks. In Taiwan, companies in the National Face Masks Squad have been able to ramp up production via vertical integration. They are now looking to replicate the National Squad model overseas in collaboration with foreign partners. It's been confirmed that we'll be creating a one-stop mask production chain in Thailand. There are a lot of countries that are open to negotiating with us, from the U.S. and Canada to countries in Africa, as well as Spain, Indonesia and Japan. Many countries have indicated their interest. It's true that prices are better for exports. Profit margins tend to be higher in the export business. A mask in Taiwan can cost as little as 5 NT. The same mask can go for three times that at 15 NT. But manufacturers say that the surging cost of raw materials will eat into earnings. The price of materials has taken off. I think it's due to an imbalance between supply and demand. Prices are doubling, they're tripling. That's to be expected. The price of face masks has also gone up. We are quite fortunate to be able to buy a mask for 5 NT here in Taiwan. Since the Belgian offshore wind power engineer was diagnosed, the public demand for masks seems to have once again outstripped supply. Now if you go to a pharmacy, you might not be able to buy any masks off the shelf. At this point in time, we are a bit short on masks. If that weren't the case, we'd be pushing hard to help our manufacturers sell overseas. To stabilize the domestic supply, the economics ministry currently requisitions 8 million masks a day for the rationing program. But it could raise that figure or place another export ban on face masks. As a precaution, mask makers hope to build production lines overseas so that they can cash in on the foreign market. Bolstering Taiwan's trade ties with the U.S. will be a key priority of bilateral relations, according to Taiwan's new de facto ambassador to the United States, uh, Xiaobi Kim. In her first interview in Washington since adopting her post in late July, Xiao also spoke about the need to maintain national and regional security and the role Taiwan can play in helping the U.S. manage its tech security standoff with Beijing. Everyone at the representative office is very energetic. They've packed my schedule really tight. That's how it should be because we're all working our hardest for Taiwan. This was Xiao's first media interview in Washington. She outlined her hectic schedule. We focus on strengthening cooperation in U.S.-Taiwan trade as well as how to maintain security in the whole region and Taiwan's national security. Right now, the U.S. is extremely concerned about the security of production lines in the tech and communication sectors. Taiwan can play a crucial role in that. The pandemic has brought a shake-up to industry and trade flows worldwide. Xiao sees that as an opportunity for Taiwan. 
The predicament of Hong Kong also makes them more aware of how precious Taiwan is. So at this point, Taiwan's loyalty to its democratic values is again a very important basis in the U.S. and in the whole strategic environment. I think a bilateral trade agreement is a very important goal, obviously. I was just mentioning some of the roadblocks in the way of that, which are Taiwan's regulations around specific agricultural products. Xiao stressed that brokering meetings between Taiwanese and American political elites was also a key objective. Although the pandemic has got her job off to a strange start, her daily schedule is packed with phone and video meetings. Back at the heart of U.S. politics, she's in her element. The self-declared state of Somaliland is considering recognizing Taiwan, according to the local news site Somaliland Chronicle. Citing an unnamed source, the report says Somaliland's president has instructed aides to explore the, explore the strengthening of bilateral ties with Taipei, one measure has been, which has been considered as mutual recognition, according to the report. Another measure is the unilateral recognition of Taiwan. Somaliland's president reportedly ordered officials to closely examine the Taipei Act, recently passed by the U.S., to determine the risks, pros and cons of unilateral recognition. Taiwan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs has declined to comment on the report, saying simply that the exchanges between the two sides were good. The ministry added that both sides were going ahead with plans to establish representative offices in each other's territories by August or September. The KMT's candidate for Kaohsiung's mayor, Jane Lee, has stoked controversy again with the release of a new campaign commercial. The ad depicts Lee as a mother committed to safeguarding Kaohsiung, even as she comes under a hailstorm of bad press. The ad quickly received backlash with critics saying that some shots seem lifted from a political ad made in 2017. DPP mayoral candidate Chen Chi Mai said Tuesday that Lee still owes an explanation for a previous plagiarism scandal centered on her math master's thesis. At this youth forum, the inevitable question came, what's the story behind the plagiarized thesis? My classmate provided me with some research and I put some pieces together. At the time, there was no such thing as a plagiarism checker. I absolutely did not commission a ghostwriter. I think that at the time, my intent was to cut corners. Lee emphatically denied that the thesis was ghostwritten. She said she cut and paste supplied information, taking a shortcut and failing to check her sources. The explanation went over with the forum participants, but not with her election rival. What everyone is more curious about is who this classmate of hers is. Were all the end notes the sources were they copied to? How in the world did this happen? I think there needs to be more of an explanation. I have already spoken about the thesis. What's most important now is to expeditiously present our political policies and vision to the people of Kaohsiung. Lee wouldn't comment further on the thesis. Instead, on Tuesday, she pledged to deliver clean, drinkable water by installing one dispenser on each campus. She visited a water company and got a tour of its operations. She also released a new campaign ad. The ad is built on the theme of motherhood. Lee and a baby are shown under siege. Crumpled newspapers rain down and taunts against Lee ring out. The ad seems to capture Lee's own predicament with the press. Her election rival said the ad shared similarities with the commercial used by Taichung Mayor Lu Xiuyin during her 2017 campaign. Can you see the sky? It's clear. It's clear. It's clear. 
，但你却处处的受到打压。还有些自由正在消失不见。你是不是找同一家公关公司？还是 Did the two of them use the same PR company, or was the same script adapted for them both? I can't make heads or tails of it. I don't know. 觉得他又在抄袭卢市长。哦，我这这个我不知道。卢秀燕的公关公司我不认识。Hualien County's Joint Indigenous Harvest Festival is fast approaching. The annual extravaganza of Indigenous culture will unfold from August 21st to the 23rd. Indigenous leaders and performers were in Taipei on Monday to drum up excitement for this、uh, event. This year, Hualien has invited friends from Jai County to mark the harvest together, as Indigenous peoples from overseas are unable to join in person. The circle dance is the highlight of the annual Harvest Festival. This was a first look at this year's performance. Commissioner Xu Zhengwei was also on hand to promote the upcoming festivities. Taiwan is the birthplace of the Austronesian language family, so Hualien has the biggest indigenous population in Taiwan. We have 207 villages. We are a completely local, rooted, living museum in Hualien. She received a memento from one of the indigenous warriors. It was a busy visit to Taipei for the indigenous leaders. She said, making the normally ferocious warriors seem a bit more mellow than usual. In the village, they're formidable heroes and really intimidating. But today, as guests in Taipei, they're a little more restrained. The festival represents indigenous celebration of the harvest. Indigenous tribes have many different traditions for the season. Pounding rice being one of the more famous. Xu lined up with tribal chiefs and other VIPs for a bash to kick the event off. The Joint Indigenous Harvest Festival is one of Taiwan's most iconic music and dance events. The Amis, Bunun, Taroko, and other tribes will show off their cultural gems. This year's theme is Fangalay Today, which means today is beautiful in the Amis language. Last year we had our Maori friends, and the year before that our friends from Hawaii. This year, because of the pandemic, we've invited the Tso people from Alishan and Jai to join with us and celebrate our Joint Harvest Festival. The festival venue will also feature a market with 110 stalls run by Indigenous people. It's a great place to spend your triple stimulus vouchers, officials said. Ahead of Father's Day on Saturday, the Shein Foundation has released the results of an online survey on parenting. It collected responses from more than 5,000 mothers and 3,000 fathers. When asked to identify the main caregiver in the family, 45% said both parents were equally responsible. 40% said it was the mother, and 5% said it was the father. 98% of fathers said they believed taking care of their children was their right and responsibility. Almost 90% said they felt they were a competent father. Another 70% said they would absolutely want to become a parent again if given the choice. The whale watching industry was a big COVID casualty this spring, but as the epidemic relents, with the government boosting the econ economy with stimuli, market demand has bounced back. 
Hualien County has been flooded with tourists wanting to see these enormous deep-sea mammals. Local whale-watching outfits uh, are seeing twice as much demand as before the epidemic, with nearly every boat booked to capacity. One whale-watching business is accepting four forms of vouchers, the triple stimulus, the arts fund voucher, the agriculture subsidy, and even a voucher for Hakka-related tourism. With some strategic voucher usage, a family of four can join a tour for just 50 NT dollars.